taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Yo, what's up, City Point? I am glad to be able to be with you guys once again for another Sunday. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Hope that you guys are engaging in some rest as we've been talking about during this two-part series. And I'm going to continue to talk about it today, just really pushing you guys to uh, prioritize your rest. It's as simple as that. Um, We can uh, be high achievers. We can um, be very goal-oriented and goal-driven. Um, But we have to recognize the way that God has created us, um, acknowledging our own humanity and realizing that these bodies in the way that they created them, these minds in the way that God created them, they need and require rest. And uh, and so that that is just the word that God is speaking during this season. City Point to me and to you guys as members and attendees and as part of the tribe and folks that tap in and listen. God is speaking a word about rest. And so I wanted to jump in uh, today to close out this two-part series uh, by talking about finding rest in God. Uh, Once again, we're looking uh, at Psalm 23. And uh, this time we're going to pick up at the B part of verse three and go all the way through verse six. But before we do that, why don't you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you for giving us this chance to come together. We thank you for the technology that you have given us to be able to engage uh, efficiently and effectively with each other. I pray that now that you will speak your word through me to these, your people in a way that will be impactful, that will be real, that will be relevant in a way that will be life changing. I thank you and I praise you in advance for what you will do in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's jump right on into it. Let's jump right into it. Uh, Psalm 23 uh, verses, uh, we're actually looking at uh, the B part of verse three uh, through verse six from the uh, contemporary English uh, version. It says, you are true to your name and you lead me along the right paths. Verse four says, I may walk through valleys as dark as death, but I won't be afraid. You are with me and your shepherd's rod makes me feel safe. You treat me to a feast while my enemies watch. You honor me as your guest and you fill my cup until it overflows. Your kindness and love will always be with me each day of my life. And I will live forever in your house, Lord. Once again, I want to talk for a few minutes about finding rest in God, finding rest in God. Uh, Over the past week, I have been redirecting my gaze. Uh, Essentially, I have shifted my gaze from what I am immediately facing, placed it on God who controls all things. In a real sense, I have discovered restfulness when it comes to day to day life is not centered on how I look at it. No, it's more so about who I look at. 
You see, when I fix my thoughts and my eyes on God and God's ability and God's care and concern for my well-being, God being a parent who gives good gifts and the fact that God is not indifferent to my needs, when I fix my view there rather than on the size of the task and the goals and the responsibilities or the obstacles that I face. And when I don't fix them on my own abilities or deficiencies, I've discovered that I can rest at night, that I can avoid stress better throughout the day. And the reason is because I believe that God's got me. My goal throughout this two-part series is to get us to that place, Uh, that place of resting better because we are confident in God. Uh, The Holy Spirit has been pressing upon me for the past few months that this space right here, this particular thing is the Achilles heel for many people within our congregation. This main issue of rest. It is affecting your mental health for some of you. It is impacting your sleep. It is challenging your productivity. And perhaps it is even straining your relationships. Yes, the fact that you are not resting well. And so to help us to get to a more restful space, I want to invite us to reignite our confidence in God and to reignite our confidence in God's ability to be able to keep it all under control. And perhaps there is no better place than David's Psalm 23 to help us do that. Uh, Psalm 23, for those who missed the introduction last week, is a psalm by David. It is essentially a poem of not at all subtle, in no ways humble, bragging about God. Uh, It is effectively David's trappy boast about God. It is hype music that perhaps gets David fired up and reminded about who is on his side. Uh, David uses shepherd imagery and he uses sheep imagery in Psalm 23, uh, and he depicts God as a loving, caring, protecting and providing shepherd and himself as a sheep. Uh, Then at one point within Psalm 23, as we'll see today, David shifts from his sheep shepherd metaphor to a metaphor that identifies God as gracious host and himself as a well-attended to guest. All of this that David does is in service of providing a picture of what life is like based on his experience with God. And also for him to suggest, based on his past experiences with God, what he expects life to be like going into the future for the rest of his days. And so as I look at Psalm. As I look at this particular psalm, there are three more things in addition to what I talked about last week that I want to share for the sake of this sermon. First thing that I see is a word about the reliability of God. It's right there in verse at the end of verse three. It says, you are true to your name and you lead me along the right paths. I'll never forget that it was uh, during either my junior or senior year of of undergrad, I was in one of my uh, major courses. I was an education major. And I'll never forget my professor for this particular class. Her name is Dr. Uh, Eleni Macris. 
uh, she taught us this very important lesson, and it was the importance of triangulating data, not just uh, as it relates to any kind of academic study. She wasn't just talking about that, but but she was talking about the importance of triangulating data as it related to any information or any data that you receive. In short, what she was saying that you have to get into the habit of not just relying on and trusting one source for information, but that you have to seek out multiple sources to confirm that what you learned or what you were told was indeed fact. And so after receiving the same data from multiple sources, then she said you can begin to rely on that data. What Dr. Macris understood was that some people will send you off. Uh, knowingly or unknowingly, some people will send you down the wrong path. And so what David says is that God is reliable. Yes, God is reliable and can be depended on to lead him along the right path. You know, I love that about God. That even though I have not understood every path or direction, I have to look back on my life in hindsight and say that God has never sent me off. I haven't enjoyed every path. Every path that I have gone down in life has not been easy. Some have come with some bumps and some rough terrains. But in hindsight, even though those paths were not easy for me, I have to admit that those paths were not a send off. And so since God has a good track record with me, a track record of not sending me off, a track record of being reliable, I can trust and I can rest in the fact that as I try to discern decisions about my future or even trying to follow God's lead, I can rest in the fact that God can be relied on to be to ensure that I select the right path. You know, because we can get anxious sometimes about choosing wrong. If you're like me, you struggle sometime with analysis paralysis, uh, looking at all of the different angles and trying to make sure that I'm not missing anything, trying to uh, make sure that I am uh, calculating all of the variables in this decision that I'm getting ready to make. And and, in functioning like this, these kinds of things can leave me restless. But the rest comes when I realize that God is there in the background and God is the one that is ordering my steps and orchestrating things so that ultimately God can lead me on the right path. When I think about the reliability of God, I think about the fact that God is not a send-off. But not only that, I realize that God is not indifferent. Uh, Sheep are notorious for being creatures of habit. If you don't watch out, sheep will feed and eat off of the same path of the pasture over and over and over again. Uh, They will gnaw at that same little piece of grass, ignoring all of the rest of the pasture. They will gnaw at that same piece of grass until they have gotten it all the way down to the root instead of moving on to another path of the pasture. Now, when sheep do this, The land gets infested and infected, and consequently, sheep can get sick. 
And so what a good shepherd does is a good shepherd monitors the sheep and monitors the pasture and does not let them spend too much time on one path of the pasture and then leads them onto another path of the pasture. Why does the shepherd does it? The shepherd does it because they care for the sheep. And so when David says, you lead me along the bright paths, what David is doing there is he is drawing on a picture of a shepherd that cares so much for the sheep that they don't send the sheep off. A shepherd that cares so much for the sheep that they won't just be indifferent and not care if they graze in the same spot for too long. Instead, this is a shepherd that pays attention and knows when to pull out that staff and say to the sheep, it's time to move on. To another path. Can I talk to y'all for a moment? Can, can I talk to the folks here for a moment that are uh, are frightened, frightened followers of God? Can I talk to the timid sheep that are afraid of what next looks like for you, or afraid of making the wrong decisions? Can I talk to God's frightened followers for a moment? May I say to you that you may not know what the future holds, but you should know who holds the future. Yes, the sovereign and all wise God cares for you, is concerned for you. And God is the good shepherd who will not let you graze yourself into destruction, but also will not leave you without direction on where to go. God cares for you. Yes, God is not indifferent. God is reliable. You see, maybe you could rest better. If you internalize today that God is reliable, I know you pride yourself on being reliable personally. I know that you pride yourself on being independent. But can I remind you of the God who covers you, who's got you, who you can depend on to guide you, direct you? Why? Because God is reliable. Not only when I look at the text, is there a word about the reliability of God? But secondly, let me suggest to you that there is a word about the comfort of God. Let's look at verse four. Verse four says, I may walk through valleys as dark as death, but I won't be afraid. You are with me and your shepherd's rod makes me feel safe. Can I talk to y'all for a moment about fear? The pandemic set into motion for me a fear reaction that, to be honest, I am still recovering from. But my expectations around the possibility of what could and could not happen, those things totally shifted and it ignited, I would call it like this subtle paranoia and an and intense reaction that I have now towards self-preservation. To be honest, I'm still recovering from that fear of the unknown, fear of the possibility of what what might happen not only haunts me, but I actually believe that it haunts some of you, too. And when you lump on top of that, being a leader or being a parent or living up to gender expectations like. I'm a man and I'm supposed to have things under control or or I'm a woman and women in my family hold things down. When you start adding gender expectations on top of that, it can cause fear to not only be a thing, but also a thing that you don't even feel that you can talk to anybody about. So you work through it 
in silence and in isolation. Or you simply don't work through it at all. Fear. Fear for the safety of your body as you move through our city. Fear. Fearing that some of the words that may come out of your mouth might come across the wrong way. Fear. F fear of what if you don't make the right decision. Fear. Fearing what if you don't choose the right path. Fear. Fear of failing. Fear of succeeding. Fear of being vulnerable. Fear of hard times. Just fear. You see, fear is not a new thing. It's a natural emotion. David knew about fear. David had experienced it. But, but David says that in the midst of what usually would engender fear within him, there was something about God that comforted him. David says in this poem, in Psalm 23, David says, I may walk through valleys as dark as death, but I won't be afraid. You are with me. And your shepherd's rod makes me feel safe. He says that it is the presence of God that comforted him. He says, because you are with me. Uh, David makes no pretense that life's dark valleys will just go away because one has proximity to God. But David makes no claim that fearful situations will not arise simply because one has a relationship with God. No, no, instead, David says, when I walk through them, I can choose not to be afraid. And the reason I can choose not to be afraid is because of who I got with me. David says, God is with me. But there is something about knowing and internalizing that God is present that should provide you with comfort. David says, your shepherd's rod, it makes me feel safe. Yeah, with that rod, I know God can keep me safe from the predators that would harm me. But, but I also know that with that rod, God can also keep me safe from myself. Because you see, like sheep, all of us tend to go astray. Uh, like sheep, all of us can tend to go our own way, make our own faulty decisions sometimes. But thanks be to God that God also uses the rod to save us from ourselves. David says, your rod and your staff make me feel safe. The ESV says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Yes, I can rest if I embrace the fact that God provides comfort. So not only is there a word about the reliability of God, not only is there a word about the comfort of God, but thirdly, as I close, there's a word in the text about the hospitality of God. So David now switches the metaphor. Uh, David goes from talking about God as shepherd talking about God as a host. But look at the text, verse five, it says, you treat me to a feast while my enemies watch. You honor me as your guest and you fill my cup until it overflows. Your kindness and love will always be with me each day of my life and I will live forever in your house, Lord. There's nothing like going to somebody's house, staying at a hotel, 
or eating at a really nice restaurant and feeling really, really well taken care of. That there is an art to good hospitality. Uh, in the ancient Near East, when a guest would arrive at someone's house, you would uh, pour wine into their cup. And uh, the wine pouring was essentially a passive aggressive signal to the guest about um, the tenure of their stay. Let's just put it that way. So if the cup was only filled halfway, um, you were saying to the guests, it was a symbol to them that we can only accommodate you here for a short amount of time and then it's going to be time to go. But when that cup was filled to the brim and then a little bit more to the point of it running over, you, you as a host were effectively saying to the guests that we have more than enough to accommodate you. We have more than enough to take care of you and you are welcome to stay as long as you like. David's God, who is my God, who is your God, has no need to budget blessings. This is a hospitable God that has more than enough. That's what David was alluding to when he said, you honor me as your guest and you fill my cup until it overflows. David says, my experience with God is God as a gracious host. Yes, my experience as a guest in God's house is that I have been well taken care of. God is a hospitable God. And so why am I restless and worried about having enough? Worried about what tomorrow may bring? Worried about running out? Why am I worried about these things when God's engagement with me throughout much of my life has been sign after sign after sign that God has more than enough to take care of me as God's guest? So with this, so with his confidence in the hospitality of God, David closes with verse six. David says, your kindness and love will always be with me each day of my life. And I will live forever in your house, Lord. I close with this illustration. Uh, Carl and I booked a stay uh, on Martha's Vineyard with some of our friends for this summer. Uh, the owner of the house was super nice, super accommodating, and, and even gave us tips on things that that we had not even enjoyed yet in any of our stays on the island. And, and so the owner was saying that there is this one particular thing that you got to make sure that you're still here to enjoy before you guys go back to Chicago. And so as we looked at the date, we realized that that to, to stay that long, uh, to be able to be around when this event happened on the island, uh, um, it would be very, very difficult for us. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons is because the other couple needed to get back to town in, in order to uh, uh, take care of some things that they need to take care of back home. And so it was impossible for them to extend their trip and, and the cost of the house would make it prohibitive. We could not afford to stay in the house for that extended period of time, just ourselves, not covering the cost along with another family. Uh, and so the owner worked with us. Uh, the owner uh, problem solved with us and said, essentially, uh, when your time as a guest 
in the house is done, I don't want y'all to worry about it. I, I've got another house that, that is the guest house that I usually reserve in the summer just for me. But, but, but that guest house, I'll let you move into it when your time in the main house is done. I'm leaving City Point when I tell you this. David says, I am so confident in the hospitality of God that, that I know that not only am I well taken care of by God while I'm a guest on God's earth each and every day of my life. But one day, when my stay down here is done, as Paul says, when this earthly tabernacle shall dissolve, we have another building, God's guest house that we can move into. And the ESV says we get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, from the main house to the guest house, God's got me. And so I can sleep at night. Because God's got me. I, I can rest better because here and on the other side, God's got me. Uh, in life, I can depend on God to be good to me. If life takes a turn and it pivots towards sickness and, and then death, all is still well because God's got a guest house for me to move into. And the hospitality that I have experienced from God here one of these old days, as the saints used to say, I get a chance to experience God's hospitality in the guest house. I'm good either way. And so I can sleep at night. Because God's got me. I can activate my faith, activate my anointed arrogance that says I'm good and will always be good because I've got God on my side. God's got me. Yes, God is my shepherd. I will never be in need. God is with me. I will never have to fear. God is my host. I will always be taken care of. I'm good because God's got me. I need y'all to internalize that. I need you to internalize that. So you can rest. So you can eat your barbecue. So you can put your feet up. So you can read your book. So you can uh, binge watch some shows on, on this hopefully restful, what should be a restful weekend. You should indeed be resting. Because God's got it. God is sovereign. Here's what that means for those of you that that uh, that that uh, phrase may be new to God's sovereignty or the sovereignty of God. It means that God has both the power to reign over all things in the world. But then also in God's reigning over all things in the world, that God is behind the scenes orchestrating things. That's why God was, a, that's why uh, Paul was able to have this confidence to say, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called, and it works together according to God's purpose. It, that in, in that little uh, passage of scripture is a theology of God's sovereignty that is embedded there. You can kind of dig into Paul's thinking um, in that passage and see that Paul believes in the sovereignty of God. And I believe 
in God's sovereignty. It, it may not, all of the paths that God leads me down may not come without bumps, may not be smooth terrain, but I believe that God is behind the scenes orchestrating. And even that which feels bad ends up somehow being for my good or ends up somehow working according to God's will. So I trust God. I don't know how to do nothing but that. Trust God. But sometimes I lose sight of the privilege that I have. And I think many of you lose sight of that too, that privilege of exhaling, of just trusting that somebody else is doing the driving and that we don't have to drive from the back seat, but that God's got it. Those are some beautiful memories of childhood when it is late in the day and you've been out. Maybe it's been a family trip or maybe y'all went to the lakefront or something like that. And you are sitting in the back of the car and your parents or grandparents or uncles or some caregiver is driving the car and you just fall asleep. You were able to do it because of the reliability of the person driving, the people that you were in the car with, the comfort that those people brought, you were able to let go and just fall asleep. I want to tell you that, that maybe those days are long gone. Maybe those people may not be in your life anymore, or maybe you're the one that has to drive and now they sit in the back seat and they rest. And it feels like so much of everything All the responsibilities are on your shoulder. Let me say to you, in life, you can get back in that back seat and trust God to drive. God's reliable. God's got you. It does not mean we um, fall on fatalism and just believe we're just going to wake up in the morning and sit around and great things are going to happen because God is going to do those great things. No, I believe in, uh, I I believe in uh, divine help and human effort. I believe that they both go together, but ultimately in terms of who is going to be responsible for the outcome, God is. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watch person stays awake in vain. I believe that. And I want to invite you into that place as well. Won't you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for helping us find rest in you. Helping us to climb back into that backseat. Let you drive to take us to every destination that is within your will for our lives. Help us, Lord, to learn how to strive and also rest. Help us to take seriously our health, to take seriously our bodies in the way that you have created them, and to activate our faith and anointed arrogance that says, my God's got this under control. I'm going to do all I can, and I'm going to just leave it up to God. Help us to get to that place. Help us to stay in that place. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.